and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Ibis Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. I'm Major Nicol. At our show, we're talking about one of the opportunities we see at the moment in the property market, which is renovating properties that you already own. The ones that are already within your portfolio, because I tell you what, pretty hard yakka being a property investor today. Obviously, in cash flow, we've got two things going against us. First of all, interest deductibility is going to mean that we're hit with higher taxes. And there are a couple of us, or many of us, I should say, where our interest rates are rolling off from very low interest rates, moving up to higher rates, and that's going to start to sting us. And just refresh us, Ed, if someone is rolling onto an interest rate and they're on the 33% tax bracket, what's their effective interest rate? Well, with the new interest deductibility rules, once fully phased in, it's going to be about 50% higher. So what that means is if you're paying a 6% interest rate, your effective interest rate, once the rules are fully phased in, is going to be 9% once the tax rules are fully implemented. Or if you bought after the cutoff date. Exactly. But on top of that, that's not the only thing hurting property investors. You've also got borrowing, which is harder as banks are using higher servicing test rates and the triple CFA has been introduced. And so that leads to that big opportunity, right? Sure. So a lot of property investors that particularly I work with might have larger portfolios and they've had some properties for quite a long time, but they haven't renovated them for one reason or another. Maybe they just weren't into renovations. They just bought a property and just wanted to have that as a standard rental, which back in the good old days that worked, but doesn't work so much now. So they might've acquired the properties because they bought them in COVID when the interest rates were down, which is quite a common thing. Or they had an old house that they turned into a rental property. An investor I was working with just recently, they had a family member who passed away and, and left a property to them, or they just picked them up at some point. And look, for any of those situations, you may have some renovation opportunities there. But what happens if you renovate them? What's that really going to do? Well, can help create better cash flow. That's going to help you with interest deductibility and with those higher interest rates. And in some cases, it can help you borrow more, both from an equity or a servicing perspective. Now, I tell you what, we're a numbers people on this show. And so we've run the numbers and we want to get really realistic with you about what might happen if you renovate a property. So we're going to use a consistent case study, same numbers for the rest of this episode as we roll through these. And we're going to look at the impact on borrowing and the impact on cash flow. And this investor, Sarah, bought a property in New Plymouth, and she's converting that from a three-bedroom, one-bath to four-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath. And she's using all of the usual cash flow hacking steps that we use at Opus Accelerate, our renovations coaching company. You know, new fittings, new kitchen, new bathroom, adding the extra bedroom in as well. So let's talk about how it impacts her ability to borrow, Andrew, starting from like could she use the additional cash flow to help her borrow more from an income perspective? Okay, so the original purchase price was $415,000, but this property is probably worth about half a million today, so $500,000 current value. Now, the renovation spend in this case is $65,000, bringing the total new mortgage up to four eighty dollars from the four fifteen dollars because it was an interest-only mortgage, and the rent taking that from four fifty to six ninety a week. So a big jump there, right? Okay, so that's interesting. It's an extra $240 a week in rent. But the question we're asking here is how does it impact her ability to borrow? So when you take that higher mortgage, Andrew, and that extra $240 a week, when you run it through the bank's calculations, how much additional UMI, uncommitted monthly income, will that give Sarah? It's only an additional $168 a month UMI. 
Which is actually a lot lower than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? $240 extra rent a week, but only $168 UMI. That's per month. Now, data nerd, give us the reason why. Well, there's two reasons. First of all, that extra $240 a week, because this is an existing property, many banks will take 35% of that rent off straight away. So she's getting an extra $240 a week in rent, but the bank is only going to use $156 of that. So uh, about $84 less, right, within their calculations. And then, of course, you've got 65 k worth of extra debt, which is assessed at the test rate, which is probably 8.15%. And on a 25-year term, if you're renewing that interest-only period, that's right. So she's going to be tested on principal and interest. Now, because of that, we've calculated out before you even get an extra dollar from the bank and borrowing after you renovate this property in terms of getting more money in order to help you buy your next property, for example, you need to get a 14.4% marginal yield on any extra borrowing. Take me through that a bit more. Okay. So here's what I really mean by that. Here's an easier way to think about it. If you spend an extra $10,000 on a renovation project, for this to wash itself from an income perspective through the bank's calculations, you need an extra $28 a week increase. So for every $10,000 you spend on a renovation project, you need to get an extra $28 a week. And that's just to be in the same position from a UMI perspective. From an income servicing perspective when you apply for a mortgage. So I'll give you another example. If it's a 50K renovation, then five times $28 a week, it's about $138 a week extra rent you need to charge your tenant for this property to wash itself. Anything above that could help you borrow a little more. Wash itself from the new lending, not necessarily on existing lending. Yes, including the the money that you're borrowing to renovate this property. And so let's take that $168 that Sarah's got to get, UMI. If she was to go buy, for example, a new build yielding, say, 4%, how much extra could she borrow from an income perspective? So again, you've got an 8.15% test rate. You've probably got a test term of 25 years. The one thing that does differ is the rental shading is often less when it comes to a new build because of the tax implications. That means that when the bank assesses your application, they'll account for more rental income from your new build than an existing property. So we're working on 25% shading. So the extra borrowing, drum roll, 31 and a half grand. Yeah, it's not as much as I thought it was going to be, right? No, a bit disappointing when we did these numbers, but this isn't the actual cash flow. This is just the cash flow from the bank size. And that's really important to differentiate those two. Though, if you were really tight on borrowing, and if you were to increase this to say, I don't know, like $900 a week because you chucked a whole heap of cabins on it, that's where it could start to make more of a difference. But even when I've modelled this out, putting the rent on the same amount of lending to like $810. So let's say you added a cabin on and it cost you 25 grand to do that. You'd get 310 UMI, but it would only help you borrow an extra $58,000. So if you're on the cusp, this could help you from an income perspective, but it's probably not going to be game-changing. The game-changing part is in the cash flow. So we've modelled out the numbers for this same property as well. Andrew, talk to us about what the cash flow would look like on this property if it wasn't renovated. So 415k worth of debt, 
$450 a week rent. So if you're using our standard assumptions, you're about $300 a week top up for the next couple of years while those interest rates are higher, dropping to about $200 a week in year three. And then by about the time you're at kind of year five, you're about $100 a week. And it remains negatively geared until year 15 when it becomes positively geared. Now, in total, it's about $80,000 worth of cash contributions over those 15 years. So the investor has to put in an average of about $100 a week for about 14 years when owning this property. And in total, it's got to be negatively geared about $80,000 over the 15-year period. Well, what happens if you renovate it? Now, with the renovations, as we've just spoken about, the next two years are still going to hurt a bit. So this isn't the magic bullet to solve all the issues. It's a help, but it's not the magic bullet. So you're about $200 a week top up rather than $300 a week for years one and two dropping back to about $100 a week in year three. By years four and five, it's kind of $40 a week. And by year seven, it's positively geared. Over the 15 years, you've put in $32,000 and you've got back $44,000. So you've got your money back, but you're still having to top it up over the first seven of those years. Now, Andrew just chucked a lot of numbers at you, but the really important ones is before you renovated it, you'd be putting in cash flow of $80,000, right? You're going to have to put eighty grand into that property if you don't renovate it. If you do renovate it, it's about $50,000 better because you're still going to have to put in, you know, just under thirty two grand. but that's a lot better than having to put in fifty k more, almost eighty grand. Now, what's interesting here, Andrew, is that you've got an extra $240 a week of rent coming in, but the cash flow is only $60 a week better off. How does that work? Well, this is the thing that you've got to remember. So that debt that you've taken on, that extra $65,000 in debt, that's not tax deductible. And not tax deductible from day one either. So if you get the extra $240 a week coming in in rent, the first thing you've got to do, if you're on 33% tax, is basically take 33% off that. Yep. So $240 comes in, off goes 80 bucks ballpark to Grant Robertson. Now for this investor, there's going to be about an extra $80 going off in financing costs to pay for the extra money that they've borrowed to fund this renovation. So after that, they've got about 80 bucks left over. But where does the extra 20 bucks go? Well, then you've got higher property management fees because generally your property management will be a percentage of the rental income that you're taking in. And we budget for a letting fee every year. So we're taking off another chunk of that. Now, some of that spend is going to help decrease the amount you've got to pay to Grant Robertson because those will be tax deductible. But the one thing I'm just trying to get here across is renovating your existing properties will help your cash flow. 60 bucks a year is about three grand better off a year. And hey, I'd rather have three grand coming into my bank account than not. But it's really important when you're running your numbers for the renovations as well to not just look at the $240 increase in rent for this investor, if you're not renting it to social housing or your property is not exempt from these rules, you've got to take effectively 33% off straight away for tax. Then you've got to consider your higher interest costs and also your higher property management if you're using a property manager. Now, let's say though that you funded those renovations out of cash. So you put in the $65,000, paid all your contractors. That takes your cash flow per week from probably negative 200 and a bit to about 
negative $150 a week. So I think the key message from this, Andrew, is that if you've got existing properties in your portfolio that haven't been renovated, there could be an opportunity to renovate them to improve your cash flow. But after having run the numbers, it's probably not going to help you as much from a servicing perspective. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you're looking to grow your portfolio in 2023, then your next step is to come in for a portfolio planning session. Easy way to sign up for this. Whip out your phone, send us a text. Text the word PLAN to 5522. We'll give you a buzz, see if it's the right fit. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most of using the property market. Until next time.